Coming up on today's show, it's just us talking a whole bunch. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode number 31 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. Actually, it's going to be more than just us. We do have one contributor segment. Yes. But mostly, it's just us blabbering on incoherently for an hour. I don't know. A, <sighs> we will try to be coherent. Yes. And two... That's that's always a good... Um, um, yeah. See, yeah, there's, the in, there's the incoherent <laughs> thing. Yeah. And second, we'll try to bring it in under an hour. Mm. But we've been so jam-packed lately with, with <sighs> good stuff. Valuable right. content for our trusted and beloved listeners. Exactly. So hopefully we'll keep that going even though it is just us. Just us. Okay. Talk about your writing accomplishments. Yeah. So it's been a fairly good week. I didn't get as far as I wanted to. I mentioned last week that my goal was to get the Mackinac Island story uh, fully done in the first draft. Mm-hmm. Not quite there. Um, the day job, you know, threw a couple curveballs in the morning. It did. Plus, we recorded a whole bunch of content this week for the podcast uh, during the morning hours. Well, <laughs> you, you recorded a bunch of content. Well, the podcast gets the royal we. We do stuff for the podcast. Um, you worked your butt off on the podcast this week. For some good stuff that we'll actually talk about a little later on uh, yeah. as we close out the show. But the Mackinac Island draft, I did write 9,500 words on it, including a little bit this morning while we were hanging out making breakfast. Mm-hmm. And so that really should wrap up tomorrow. That would be awesome. A little bit, little bit more today, I think, after I get the podcast produced. Uh, and tomorrow morning should wrap up that first draft. Okay. Uh, I just have a chapter and a half left to go. Uh, and then Codename Winger needs to get its summary written this week, and then that will be off to the publisher for review. So a lot of stuff should start kind of clicking into place this week cool. to get stuff done, which cool. is awesome. Yay. Yeah. Yay, Rob. Good job. Yay. So also, good job to Tammy Middleton. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard back from her with the author sign-off for Autism Awareness Auction. Uh, made over $3,000 this year, mm. which is pretty awesome. Yeah. All of that went to Autism Speaks, and she wanted us to send along a thanks to all the authors and publishers who donated items this year, and of course to everyone who bid to make it such a successful year this year. Great job, everyone who bid, and uh, thank you, Tammy, for putting on this pretty awesome event. Yeah. We look forward to doing more next year with that. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. So you finished a book this week. I did finish a book. I finished... Um, I have... Actually, uh, I'm a little ahead on my reading at the moment. I have read both of the Dreamspun Desires for this month. Last week I mentioned... I can't remember the name of it. You mentioned Ariel's last week. I mentioned Ariel. Uh, the Unstable Stud. Look towards the back, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not prepared. Wait, wait, wait. It's well, um, coming in June. I don't remember. Okay. I've read the other... Uh... You read MJ's. Yes! That was MJ's the, book. You talked about Ariel's and MJ's last That's week. That's right. I read MJ's book, uh, which I really, really enjoyed. And I read... This week, I read Nikki Bennett's The Cattle Baron's Bogus Boyfriend. And I love the alliteration in that title. I'm sorry, pretty, but I do. Pretty damn awesome. 
Anyway, I read this one this week. It is a classic boss secretary romance concerning a uh, Texan cattle baron and his uh, secretary, a nice guy named Jonah. And um, they end up falling for each other. And towards the end of the book, there is a classic big misunderstanding, which leads to some uh, rather ridiculous choices, uh, which kind of come out of left field. But then by the end, those choices make sense and everyone ends up happily ever after. So I really, really enjoyed this one. Thank you, Nikki Bennett, for penning a really great read. I highly recommend it. Cool. I'll be picking that one up soon. Yes. I'm reading some stuff for the... For some people we've got who want to come on the podcast, so I'm trying to do some podcast reading. So ah. I'm a little outside the dreams but desires at the moment, but yeah. I'll get back over there. Cool. Uh, Tony nominations came out this week. Tonys! And of course... And what are the Tonys? The Tonys are the Oscars for theater. Oh, yes. Well, specifically for Broadway. Yes. Um, they honor the best of Broadway uh, in a season that spans uh, from June 1st of 2015 to... Essentially now. Essentially right now. Yeah. So the, the shows that we saw in April uh, wrapped up the season of Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. Shuffle Along, if I'm not mistaken, was the last of the shows to open mm-hmm. officially. Uh, big congratulations to Hamilton with a record-setting 16 nominations. Uh, sadly, we've yet to see Hamilton maybe in San Francisco when it tours. Yeah, that's a possibility. If we can snag tickets. Because yeah. um, it was, it was, we couldn't get tickets when we were there in April and... So we're, we're holding out for that. But we're big fans of Lin-Manuel Miranda, so congratulations. Um, loved in the Heights, and he's very deserving on this one. Uh, the 16 uh, beat the producers and Billy Elliot, which for years now have held the record for 15 nominations. So good for you guys. Uh, Shuffle Along, which was one of our favorite shows that we saw out of the batch in April, got 10, which was outstanding. And I believe that put it in second place for most nominations in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, waitress got four, which we're very excited about since our, since Sarah, uh, she got, she got, Sarah Burles did get nominated for the music and lyrics that she did. It's also up for best musical and best actress for Jesse Mueller, which was great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, I did think Sarah was overlooked for orchestrations because I really liked the work that she did on how that music sounds, um, and was put together. Agreed. Um, the show, the show that for me is the best show that I've seen of this season was the revival of Spring Awakening, which was uh, done with the Deaf West Theater Group. Uh, this took Duncan Sheik's musical from, I believe, around 2005, 2006, early 2000s, middle 2000s somewhere, mm-hmm. um, and really elevated it up to a new level uh, with, the inter- with the introduction of deaf actors playing deaf characters. Uh, it was absolutely mesmerizing. It was nominated for Best Musical Revival, and best director for Michael Arden, who managed to put that stunning production together. Uh, I was highly disappointed that Spencer Liff, who people may know from So You Think You Could Dance, because he does show up there as a choreographer periodically, uh, he did some amazing work with the movement, the dance, melding in the sign language to the whole thing. And it was so powerful, this production, that even all the stuff that we saw in April that was so good, this is the show that sticks with me the most, back from when I saw it in September. Uh, this production of Spring Awakening will tour starting in early 2017. So do look out for it. I'll certainly be looking for it to come to the West Coast because I may drag you to it. Because I think, I know you didn't like the show all that well the first time. You didn't like the book mostly. You liked the music, as I recall. Uh, but this production, I think you would find pretty extraordinary. Okay. 
Uh, Tony Awards will be handed out Sunday, June 12th at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on CBS. It should be an interesting show. I think in past... The Broadway seasons tend to go in cycles. Yes, they do. <laughs> Some Sometimes there's just, you know, one amazing thing right after another. And then some seasons are kind of, you know, dry spells. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're okay. And I think we had a couple of okay seasons the last couple of years. Um yeah, you started to see it go on an upswing last year with a, with a couple of big shows that opened. Yeah. But this year, I think, is really... <clears throat> and, you know, okay seasons mean, a, you know, a generally, you know, okay Tony Awards. Um, I haven't been particularly interested in watching the Tony Awards the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but this show should be pretty damn good. Um, yeah. There's a lot of amazing shows to showcase... And uh, I can't wait. I think it'll be really good. Yeah, and there's a lot of folks. There's so much talent that got left behind this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you've got a season yeah. that you can't find room for Audra McDonald I know. What to be nominated. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> oh, there's, our explicit, there's our explicit text. Well, no, the seriously. What the fuck, Tony people? <laughs> but you look, at, you look at the category she would have been in, and who would you have taken out? I, well, that's true. You know, 100% agree with, with you. The likes of Jesse Mueller and Laura Benanti and Jane Krakowski. And, I mean, who, who are you taking out? It's very true. Yeah. So, I mean, that just and it goes to show you how, how packed this season is um, so, with good stuff. yeah, check out the Tony Awards June 12th. It should be really, really good. Speaking of television, do you want to mention one more time before it ends its season? Well, we've only mentioned it once on the show. And we've, we've tried to mention it a couple other times. And we just, from a timing perspective, yeah. can't. Please watch The Real O'Neills. This is one hell of a funny show. I have enjoyed every episode so far. Um, Hilariously funny. Yeah. Great sitcom. It's it's well produced. It is so funny, and yet it is so... (laughs) Real. Mm. (laughs) To pun their title, sorry. Um, You could just see a family having these things go on in it Mm -hmm. pretty easily. Um, and it is a laugh fest every week. You can you can count on some laugh out loud moments. Uh, it's got at least one more show that will air this coming week on ABC because we know this because it's in our TiVo for this week. Um, and if you miss it, you know, look for it on abc.com where you can watch the full episodes. Uh, I think we plan to own the DVD when it comes out. Uh, it hasn't got its renewal yet. So if you like it, you know, tweet about it, Facebook about it, get it shared, make it, make it, make it trend, people. Because mm. um, this show, um, not only does it, you know, look at a gay teen in a pretty realistic fashion, but it's it's just damn funny. Really, really funny. Before we move on to the next topic, let's can we make a brief side sidestep to superhero television? I was about to do that. Su- yes, please do. Super the the superhero shows on television this season have for the most part been really really good. We've been we are fans specifically of Arrow, Flash, Supergirl and we have begun watching um Legends. Legends, Legends of Tomorrow. Yes. We are not fans of the Age of the Shield, just to put that out there. Uh, yeah. We don't watch that superhero show. No. So, uh, I believe I really have enjoyed what Flash has done this season. Mm-hmm. I have been okay with what Arrow has done this season. Their <laughs> island stuff is as boring as it's ever been. And, and it's, it's been a lot better since we fast-forwarded over it. <laughs> and the kind of breakup with Felicity junk 
has uh, been sort of pointless. Sad. It, well, it's actually sort of pointless because she came back, you know, poof, all of a sudden, that one episode, she's back on the team and they've never really mentioned it. So there's no catharsis or about the... I, I don't know. I think it we'll all seems that. pretty pointless. They've got to deal with the big bad first. Uh, I suppose so. Anyway, and Supergirl was really super... <laughs> super fantastic. See? Um, it's really good and it's super fantastic. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> anyway, we really enjoyed Supergirl. Um, its fate is uh, about 50-50. Uh, it's an incredibly expensive show for CBS to make. Three million dollars an episode. Who and, thunk? And they don't know if they want to commit uh, again next year. Uh, and, you know, if CBS or any other network wants to pick it up, we would certainly be okay well, with that. The, the the realistic thing that they're talking about is since the CW is half-owned by CBS and Warner Brothers, who, hey, produce Supergirl, that it may well move to the CW where its lower ratings will be acceptable in, in that world. But the, the the problem is, is well, okay, here's, here's what we hope is happening. We hope they cancel Legends of Tomorrow and somehow get Supergirl to replace it. I yeah. mean, you can tinker with Supergirl to make it a little bit cheaper to make, but um, holy crap, has Legends been awful. Well, here's, a, here's the thing with Legends. <laughs> And, I, and you could correct me where you think I go wrong or where your opinion differs. Well, I certainly will the, correct you. The cast is awesome. The cast carries the show. I agree 100%. There are some inspired writing moments because there are things in the script that the cast has to do that are a hoot and make me want to watch. This last Thursday's episode in particular was heinous. Everybody was doing stupid stuff. In, in some ways, I felt was against what their characters would do. Like, especially with Sarah and Snart and his companion guy, whose name I can never remember. Rory. Rory. Um, There's just like, what are you people doing? Yeah. This is stupid. <laughs> and there was nothing particularly funny in the episode. I'm just like, oh, this is bad. It was like the longest 45 minutes ever. Yeah. So at that point, I'm tweeting out, you know, like, let's cancel this and just put Supergirl in its slot. Um, and then figure out how to mash them into the Arrowverse. Yeah, I we both really enjoy the actors and the characters, um, but the show itself is kind of a big old mess. Yeah, it's a get them of, home to 2016 yeah. and let them all go back to Flash and Arrow, and let's move on. Yeah. A noble experiment, but I don't feel like it's worked. Yeah. At this point, I want Doctor Who to show up and fix the timeline and just make it go away. It's like, oh, God, please, no more. Anyway, okay, so Uh, that's enough of TV. Yeah, movies. Uh, Last night, we watched a really terrific little movie uh, that sort of came and went uh, in the theaters last year. It's called The Intern, and it starred Robert De Niro and uh, Anne Hathaway. Now, we are not talking about The Internship, which was the crappy Vince Vaughn movie from a couple of years ago. No. Uh, where he and Owen Wilson try to get a job at Google. We're not talking about yeah, that at all. Not that at all. No. Uh, the Intern is a, a Nancy Myers movie. It's about uh, De Niro who takes a senior, as in a senior, senior, citizen. C- senior citizen internship at this up-and-coming clothing, uh, online clothing uh, uh 
Website? Website, that's the word. Yes. <laughs> and Anne, Anne is the one who uh, is the owner and creator, and she runs the whole shindig. Uh, and it's absolutely adorable. It is. It's, for the first five minutes. It's very, very funny, very insightful, you know... Um, uh, De Niro and Anne are just uh, charming together on oh screen. God, yes. They're so cute. They're so funny. Yeah, um, but I mean, De Niro here in particular, from just the opening credits and him meeting up with Linda Lavin on the street, mm. was adorable. He's It's the most adorable character I think I've ever seen him play. <laughs> the movie makes beautiful use of Brooklyn and <clears throat> Manhattan locations. Yes, it does. Makes me want to move back. It's our... Uh, there were several, a couple of scenes in Brooklyn from our old, old neighborhood. We saw our old Mexican restaurant, man. Uh, it was anyway, awesome. So yeah, I really, really recommend it. Give it a look if you haven't already. Uh, yeah, it was a delight. It was, it was, it was the right movie for Saturday night. Yeah. Curled up on the couch. A Absolutely. whole lot of fun. A whole lot of fun. So another announcement that we've come across, uh, that we're excited about is that, uh, Kevin Keller, who is one of Archie's friends in the comic world, is uh, coming back. He for he was introduced in Archie Comics a few years ago. Uh, had a mini series of his own that ran for a while, and he's coming back uh, just in time for Pride Month in a digital first comic uh, where he will be all grown up, heading out of Riverdale and into the big city. Yeah. Uh, so there's a four episode mini series that'll be out uh, in June, and uh, we'll be subscribing to that for sure. So we'll talk a little bit more about that when it comes out. Mm-hmm. He's also Kevin's character is also due to show up in the CW's Riverdale which is their attempt to bring a live-action Archie series to TV. It's only in the pilot phase right now, so hopefully that pilot actually sees the light of day, unlike the Aquaman pilot from a few years back that only ever showed up in bootleg. So yeah, fingers crossed for the Riverdale pilot, and looking forward to seeing Kevin back in the comics. Yeah, should be good. Yeah, we'll give you a link in the show notes where you can find out more and keep track of that if you're comic-inclined for that. Mm, dead air. Awesome. Yeah, we just kind of dead it out right there. <laughs> it haven't it hasn't been just us talking for an hour in a long time. We are we are <laughs> our our, uh, our podcasting muscles are are a little soft. Yeah, we'll get better. We're getting, we're getting back into our, our into our groove. Okay, let's try this again. Yeah. Now it is time for our contributor segment. Yes, this week we have Lisa uh, from the Novel Approach talking to us about some speculative fiction and some other things that she's reading this month. So we welcome Lisa from the Novel Approach to us today on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to be here. Yeah, we're we're thrilled that you and our other contributors have uh, have joined us in this little outing to get more books out in front of folks. That is the mission. Absolutely. More books. There are never enough books. That is so true. <laughs> so true. <laughs> so I understand that you've been reading the new Jordan Hawk. Oh, yes, I have. And I have to say that Jordan L. Hawk is, she is a word wizard. She is a master storyteller. I have to say that Hexworld, as much as I love Wyborn and Griffin, I have a feeling that Hexworld is going to give that world a run for, for its money, in my opinion, because um, this, the, this book, Hexbreaker, that just releases today on the 6th, on Friday, is 
probably one of the most superior books I have ever read. Um, it is just amazing world building, the pacing, it's action packed, it's romantic, it's uh, the history, the historical setting in this book is, is kind of an alternate New York City pre turn of the 20th century, um, post boss tweed kind of, you know, uh, time period. Um, and even though you know that it is an alternate New York city, her ability to ground readers in an, in a historical setting, um, it's just, it's really kind of unparalleled. You, you get the sights and you get the sounds and you get the feel and you get the atmosphere and you are so entrenched in this world that she's created. Um, and then she throws in something just completely magical and just powerful. And, um, the, then the, the emotional quotient of the book is so, uh, it's so engrossing that you just, it's a book that you sit down and you are finished with it and it's almost kind of sad when it's done, you know, because you don't want it to end because right. everything has just been so powerful and so moving and so um, effective emotionally. Just It's just so, such a great, great book. And I'm so excited for this and I'm so excited for her and happy for her because I have a feeling that this book is just going to you know, um, solidify her place in the speculative fiction world that, you know, in, in this genre, because she is just, uh, she, she has some sort of, some sort of spell crafty voodoo word wizardry <laughs> thing going on that I just can't describe, but I respect so much. Yeah. So. This is going to have to go on my TBR because last week, uh, on last week's episode, Jay also called this book out. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be calling this book out. I think I, I really do. Um, I think her peers, her her fellow authors, are are going to be uh, wishing they'd written this book. <laughs> Those are always the best ones to read as an author to you because you're like, what can I learn from this? Yeah, read, yeah, you know? yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's uh, it, it as as you know, I don't have I don't know the first thing about writing a book, but uh, as a reader, I can say that this book just really uh, elevated. It, it really elevates her in in this genre as as a huge contributor and a major player. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. yeah. So, what else are you reading that you want to? give our listeners a clue to? Uh, you know what? My next book that I'm really super excited about coming out is uh, May 17th, Andrea Speed's Infected Holiday Special. Um, this is another speculative, speculative fiction series, uh, urban fantasy, complete pure urban fantasy, um, that if anybody has been following this series from book one, it goes eight novels and a novella. Um, and if, if you've been following these characters and their lives and their losses and their loves, uh, I think this is a, this is a real treat. I think this is, this is Andrea's way of saying thank you so much for following these people because she gives us, uh, little, little snippets, um, 
from holidays varying from Yom Kippur to Arbor Day. I mean, she just kind of, she just, and this is her sense of humor, which I adore. Um, she, she gives us the snippets of all of the characters, but the, the linchpin, the linchpin of every single story is how Roan, um, the, the lion virus child within this universe, he is, uh, he is, he's the fulcrum that brings all of these people together. And I think that it's, it's kind of fun that, that this is so because he is, uh, he, he is the king of his jungle. He is unique to his world. There is no one else in his world uh, like him. And he's kind of a nerd. He's a punk post, kind of a post punk nerdy guy, uh, sarcastic, got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, but, uh, but people, the people who are drawn to him, love him for, for who he is. And he kind of, uh, he's, he's an orphan child. Um, and, but, but yet he has this family of, uh, this adopted family of people who just, who, who love him and protect him and, uh, and it's just, it's a really neat, uh, neat world that, that she's built around this, around this oddball character who shouldn't even be alive. You don't, you don't know. Uh, and, and I said this again in my review, so I'm going to be rehashing this, but, um, I said, you don't know whether he's a tick, a ticking time bomb or a walking miracle, you know, because of, because of the, the world that, that she's, she's created for him, he shouldn't exist. Yet he does, and he keeps existing, and he keeps evolving. And every time he evolves, you don't know whether this the next evolution is going to be um, his death sentence or his life sentence. You know, it's it's such a neat world, such a neat world. So that's another one I'm really excited about. And you said that's May seventeenth, right? It's May seventeenth. Yes, yes. Yes. And then on my, and I, you know, we were chatting about this and I'm just going to bring it up on May 25th. I have on my reading list, uh, Charlie David's re-release of Mulligans. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into that and, uh, and, and see, uh, having read Shadowlands and absolutely respected every single story within that anthology of, of short stories. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to digging into Mulligans too, and getting a little bit more of a, uh, realism, whereas Shadowlands is complete, you know, uh, mythology, fantasy, bordering on poetic sort of writing, um, everything from, uh, from a kind of a retelling of Ovid's Pygmalion to things that go bump in the night kind of, kind of stories. So, uh, it'll be interesting to get the little dash of realism in his writing and see how that's, that's, uh, going to play out as well. So I'm excited about that. That one's on May 25th. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be Charlie. Charlie will actually be on the podcast that week to yeah. talk about Mulligans. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, we got to get everybody to watch that. Got to get everybody to watch that because, like we were talking about, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, he's so multi-talented that he's not only an actor and a voice narrator, but he's also a really brilliant writer. So, so May is going to be a great month. we got yeah. a great, great month of books coming up. So, get people yeah, ready for everybody. beach read season. Pardon? Get people ready for beach read season. Exactly, exactly. And these are the kind of months um, that I love when there are so many fabulous books coming out, but it also makes it hard when you come to the end of the month and have to pick that book of the month, you know, mm, the right. one that just really transported you. I'm reading one, another one right now, as a matter of fact, a uh, brand new author, uh, I, I believe, actually, brand new author to me. Um, she uh, wrote a book called um, 
what boys are made of. And it's a, it's a dystopian post second civil war, um, setting. I'm only about halfway through it. Um, but I, I think, uh, S Hunter Nesbitt, she's going to be one to watch if I can, uh, if I can put that little plug in at least halfway through this book is really phenomenal. So, so yeah, yeah, it's going to be a tough month for picking a book of the month in May. That's a good month to have though. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So we should all have so many problems, right? Exactly. Well, Lisa, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank uh, you for having folks me. Folks can uh, find your reviews at thenovelapproach.com, and uh, we'll see you back here in a few weeks to talk to us again. Thank you, Lisa. Those sound like some really interesting recommendations. Yeah, It's really awesome that Jordan Hawk's getting called out so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Most definitely. Yeah. Good job, Jordan. <laughs> so, with no interview this week, we're filling our middle space here with some stuff that's kind of been on our minds lately. Stuff. Stuff. Uh, we often refer to other podcasts on this show to kind of throw out things that we pick up from shows. And there's been a couple recently that have talked about authors using and starting to use video. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been doing that for a little bit here uh, because we uh, there's always the video component to the podcast. Yeah. And even before that, I kind of had a vlog going that was kind of like my stepping in, you know, putting my toes into the video pool, as it were, and starting to build the YouTube channel a little bit. Uh, But both the Creative Pen Podcast and Simon Whistler's Rocking Self-Publishing Podcast within the past couple weeks have both talked about the, the usefulness of video for authors and particularly in getting onto YouTube because YouTube can be a powerful search engine on its own for discoverability purposes. Mm-hmm. So with Creative Pen in her, uh, Joanna Penn's episode number 264 with Michael Laron, he really focused in on YouTube quite extensively as a social media platform there. Um, he says that for, for fiction authors, this can really distinguish yourself in the marketplace. If you actually ask somebody today, and I'll ask you this question in a moment, uh, <laughs> do you know a fiction author that does video? And even within the podcast, there was really Joanna Penn, who does you do a lot of video uh, with her podcast and for stuff that supports her fiction writing. But also John Green was called out for the podcast, or the vlog, rather, that he does with his brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you think of any others? Because off the top of my head, even listening to that podcast, I couldn't necessarily point to anybody else and say, well, this author does video a lot? Um, fiction authors, no. There are some uh, nonfiction authors who use the uh, video platforms uh, extensively that I know of and that, yeah. I, that I subscribe to. But it's uh, sort of the... Um, I was going to say Wild West, but it's not. It's just simply an unused platform for most fiction authors. I think a lot of it gets to also because most authors, as is often talked about, are introverts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a certain like, oh, that's a camera and I'm going to talk to people and and that kind of thing. But it it, it, it turns out that it, it could be easier because one of the things that Derek Murphy, who was on Rocking Self-Publishing podcast with Simon Whistler, talked about was that he was terrified to do video at first. And had to force himself really to learn how to do it in the first place. Uh, and now he's grown a, a channel that's got over 250 videos on it that support his fiction and nonfiction writing. And his goal is, by the end of this year, to hit a staggering thousand videos. Which I think is a little crazy, but, you know, good on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I took some action myself coming off the Creative Pin podcast to I've put a video on my site's homepage now. Mm-hmm. It's quick, it's short, it's about a minute long. Talks about upcoming releases and a couple other things, just to be like boom, boom, boom. So it's right there, top of the fold. If you come out of the page, you can just click it and watch it real quick. Links under the video to the things I talked about so you can quickly go off to wherever I talked. Mm. Uh, and it's really kind of, you know, it's, it's still a, a work in progress. I'm actually going to shoot another one, uh, maybe after this very episode. Because okay. the one I've got a couple weeks old now, and I want to keep those fresh. Um, and that idea was really from Michael Laurent because he talks about when people land on your site, there's that couple of seconds when they're on their page when they want to know about you. And you could take that moment to really put yourself in front of them with the video. It's like, hi, thanks for copping by, you know. And one of the things I do in my video is talk about the free book I've got available mm-hmm. and actually point over to where the call to action button is. Like, yeah. go click on that. Yeah. Sign up for my list, get a free book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so work in progress, and we'll see how that kind of you know sorts itself out. Um, and something else to kind of mention in our genre too for folks who who maybe have not seen this yet, there are book reviewers who are really starting to use video in our genre. Uh, the que- the the team over at Queer Centric has two or three reviewers over there who are starting to file video reviews now for the books that they're reading. And there's also Christina, who's recently started up the Christina's Bookshelf YouTube channel, okay. which is specifically focused on the books that she's reading and reviewing. So that, if you've got, you know, if you're one of these authors that they're reviewing and you have a YouTube channel, it just increases the circle of discoverability as more people put in those keywords and those author names and, you know, seek them out that way. Mm-hmm. So on the on the show notes channel, I'll link up to Queer Centric and Christina's YouTube channels. Um, I'll also point you towards uh, the Creative Pen Podcast two sixty four, or you can get there directly by the creativepen dot com slash podcasts and look for number two sixty four on that page. Mm-hmm. And for Rocking Self Publishing, you can go to rockingselfpublishing.com dot com slash Murphy to see that episode. Okay, cool, good stuff. Yeah. So, do you think? I think what the takeaway from this uh, little mini lecture that you've just given is <laughs> is that um, video and YouTube specifically is a social media platform. People watch and comment and interact on that platform. Uh, people uh, live on their phones, so they watch video and do a million other things on their phone. So video is and will probably most likely be an incredibly important component of any author's platform. Uh, it's also important to know is that when you Google anything, um, <clears throat> if you pay attention, of course, up at the top, whenever you Google any subject, there are, of course, the... What what comes first? The the paid stuff comes first, but then a lot of YouTube comes first because YouTube is well, by Well, no, the tags, the tags at the top. Um, usually, oh. usually there are website mentions. Or, it's or, like sites, images, news, video. Exactly. Exactly. So um, video and uh, search engine optimized 
uh, video content is very, very important for discoverability. And I think that was the main takeaway from Michael Laron uh, in that specific episode of the Creator yeah. Pain podcast. Yeah, Michael's podcast in particular is a good one to reference yeah. for authors looking to get into video. Derek's mentioned video a little bit as he was talking about marketing overall and setting up a platform. But Michael's also has a lot of stuff about the, the equipment he uses, mm -hmm. how he got started. It, it was a really a really powerful um, hour with Joanna, okay. as they often are with her. But yeah. yeah. yeah Thank you for summing up so nicely. Oh, you're welcome. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. Okay. Now you, th you throw me the next intro. So, you have done a lot of stuff <laughs> with... You're, you've been learning stuff over I'm, the last week. I've been a-learning... Yes, uh, I have. Because you've, you've, you've delved into a writing book about romance writing, and you've also started taking an online workshop. Yes. Uh, this past week, I started taking an online workshop with uh, from Dean Wesley Smith. Um, for those of you who don't know, he uh, is a long... What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. Uh, a career author in long standing yes. with the traditional and now... Uh, independent publishing community. He and his wife run WMG Publishing, and they teach a lot of courses as well on the Oregon coast, as well as online. And I've taken some of their classes and lectures uh, in the past. This current workshop that I am taking uh, right now is about depth in writing. Uh, so I've been digging into that subject just a little bit. Yeah. Digging, you, depth, aren't I? F I'm so funny! We're doing the puzzle so, a lot oh, this God. week. Anyway, so I started taking that, and it's uh, really good and really enjoyable. And you're only week one into that, right? Uh, yeah, it's just yeah. the first week. So I, I watched the first... Uh, um, set of videos? First set of videos, yeah. It's basically a online video course. You watch the lecture... Uh, in a series of videos with Dean uh, talking and espousing his uh, decades worth of knowledge and then you do a homework assignment uh, at the end. Uh, and it lasts for about six weeks. So uh, I'm enjoying that so far. And also this past week I read, uh, in addition to Nikki Bennett's really terrific book, I also read a nonfiction book and it was called, I'm looking it up right now, Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes. It's story structure for romance novels. Now, in the past, I've uh, mentioned my love of uh, nonfiction uh, writing how-to books. And a lot of the books about story structure usually riff on Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And I have mentioned in the past that I have a hard time wrapping my head around the hero's journey because it's so specific to you know general fiction or adventure fiction um it doesn't really apply or correlate to the things that you're trying to achieve when you're writing a romance story the reason i enjoyed romancing the beat so much is it kind of extrapolates um classic um classic theories from the hero's journey and makes makes them applicable to romance fiction, uh, which is what I've you know always been uh, on the lookout for. Uh, she does it in a really entertaining and uh, clear way, and um, the title "Romancing the Beat" 
refers to the idea of story beats, i.e. kind of, you know, outlining the high points of a story, uh, certain turning points or certain um, uh, dramatic moments that you uh, want to make sure you hit uh, in order to um, fulfill and uh, satisfy what the romance readers are looking for. So I highly recommend that book. I'm definitely going to go back over it, take some notes, and use it in my future authorial endeavors. Cool. So you'll help us work that stuff into the trilogy that we're going to write. Most definitely. Awesome. Yeah, I think it'll be very helpful. Awesome. So we'll have a, a link in the show notes to Romancing the Beat, uh, so you can pick it up on Amazon if you're so inclined, as well as a link over so that you can check out Dean Wesley Smith's and WMG Publishing's vast array of things overall. Off their, their offerings, yes. They, they have a ton of offerings, both in terms of fiction if you want to read, and good tools and advice for authors as well. Yeah, they do. So, so um, <laughs> in addition to, uh, well, no, as an extension of romance fiction, uh, I wanted to briefly mention something I noticed online this past week. Um, a couple of months ago, there was a little uh, kerfuffle in the romance community. I know, surprise, surprise. Anyway, so this <laughs> this particular kerfuffle was once again over the trope "gay for you." Uh, 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 I can't even remember who now. A uh, particular, I think it was on Goodreads. Someone penned a, I thought, amusingly snarky review of a gay for you book and people were all up in arms it's and you know it's like ah oh, gay for you it's the devil and it's like oh gay for you i love it but what grew out of that particular discussion is some authors really sort of uh dove in and dissected uh one of the problems uh gay for you, um, one of the problems with this particular trope is uh, essentially by erasure. Uh, in the classic gay for you trope, uh, essentially straight hero falls for a, another hero and then poof, he's magically gay and they live happily ever after. Uh, that's a, um... <laughs> an extreme oversimplification. <laughs> Yes. Of real life. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, the, and the trope in general. Um, I don't personally love Gay For You, but I think what this particular discussion uh, brought up was that um, Gay For You simply makes the assumption that bisexuality doesn't exist. Um, it's either, you know, they start out straight and they end up gay happily ever after. It's like, well, what if... You know, where are the characters who fall, you know, in between or somewhere else on the spectrum? Mm -hmm. So uh, I thought that was a really interesting and uh, helpful insight. And what I have noticed recently, especially on Amazon, is the rise in by what's the 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 the. the the, the continued rise and success of what is now termed bisexual romance. Now, a couple of months ago, these books 
most likely would have just been, you know, uh, gay for you stories. They would have been categorized under gay romance and, you know, uh, they were gay for you stories. But now I've noticed an increase, uh, especially in the top 20 bestsellers uh, in bisexual fiction, um, these stories that look on the surface to be, you know, what was once gay for you are now uh, being uh, shelved in bisexual romance. And now maybe this is a crass way to exploit readers who are looking for bisexual fiction, or maybe it's a, a, a natural progression of the genre. Um, I'm kind of going on without any real thesis. It was just something I noticed. Yeah. It would be nice if that's just where it's growing. Yeah. And and that's what it's going to be. I Yeah, it's just something I noticed and I thought was actually very, very interesting. I don't know if this one particular event that I spoke of happening, you know, about two months ago, I don't know if that was the, you know, the lightning rod that, you know, has instigated this particular change, it seems. Um, but it's something um, I'm going to keep an eye out on. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this. Probably not, because I'm a kind of a bestseller list geek, and I check it out every once in a while to see see what's what and what's going on. You research a lot. So, you, you, you keep up on this stuff a lot. But if, if anybody else has noticed anything, you know, leave us a comment in the on the show notes for this episode. Yeah. That would be really cool. Um, so I think that about does it for this week. Really? I think it does. Is that everything that we have to talk about? It is. <laughs> Shocking, I know. <laughs> so, next week, uh, for episode 32, Justin Side will be here to talk about the Gay Sex Positions coloring book. Which as, is really good. Yeah. It really I is. I can't show the picture that's over here, because it's not doctored <laughs> appropriately for YouTube. Um, uh, and as well, he's also working on the new Pride coloring book for all ages. Um, so we'll talk about that in the GoFundMe that he's got going on for that. Yeah, and that then awesome. as uh, Lisa talked about, uh, she was talking about Charlie David's Mulligans. Uh, Charlie will be with us in episode thirty-three to talk about that re-release mm. and some other stuff that he's got going on. Cool. So yeah, that will do it. Please, if you're listening to us and enjoy the show, please think about leaving us a review on iTunes or Google Play for Music or wherever you happen to listen to us. Or if you're watching us on YouTube, a viable discovery platform. Indeed. Uh, please give us a thumbs up or subscribe to our channel. Yes, absolutely. Which is your channel. I believe it's under Jeff Adams. It is, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Go on YouTube, search Jeff Adams, or, you know... Or Big Gay Fiction Podcast, because yeah. all these videos are, are shelled there. Uh, you'll find it that way. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, and we will hope to see you back here next week. Okay, see you next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. For detailed show notes, go to biggayfictionpodcast.com. <laughs>